Hello, my friends. Welcome to my basement. It is good to see you. I have had an incredibly busy week playing all kinds of video games. Everything seems to be hitting right now, and it has been a crazy time. I also received, and as you can probably tell by the uh, props on my desk, the uh, NES Classic Edition, the little mini console that comes in this beautiful mini box. Yes, I know I'm not the first one to post a video about this thing on YouTube. I get that. Uh, this has been around since the fall of last year, but uh, impossible to find even still today. I know some of you out there, uh, I'm talking to you, CJR, have uh, got one or two of these things, which is incredible, because um, uh, they have been very difficult to track down. I actually had to ask a buddy to bu pick this up for me, because he had a, a secret tip on where to get one of these things, and I said, okay, I've waited long enough. I want one of these things, and I'm sure if you're watching this video, you probably do, or um, you might already have one of these things, but I thought what I would do, I didn't want to do an unboxing because there's been so many of them, and frankly, I didn't want to have to wait to open this and, and uh, show everybody what's inside the box. I wanted to get into this thing as quickly as I possibly could. I've had this thing for about a week. It's been hooked up to our living room television, and I think that's an incredibly important distinction because most of my gaming, of course, takes place in my real, actual gaming basement, my game cave. Shocker, this isn't, the studio setup here isn't really, it's not really my basement. I hate to break that to you. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've been playing in my basement, um, my real basement for many, many years, playing all kinds of video games. And that's where I kind of like to lose myself and get lost in all of these in incredible, you know, game experiences. And let me tell you, the bags under my eyes will tell you I have been having a lot of incredible game experiences recently. And I'll be sharing some of those with you right here on the channel. Um, but I figured this, the perfect home for this would be where everybody can access it. You know, I want my kid, my daughter to play this. I'd love my wife to jump on and pick up one of these controllers and uh, get lost in some of these classic games. She was addicted to Donkey Kong uh, when she was growing up. That was one of her favorite games. She used to play it on the computer all the time. And, uh, or I guess it would have been the NES all the time. Uh, and she absolutely has these fond memories, also terrifying memories, like a lot of us of these games that just grab hold of us and never let us go. And so I figured the best place to, to sort of keep this was to have it so it's constantly accessible. And this is the big revelation that I've had with this, con with this uh, console. It's the size of a controller. I want to call it a controller all the time. Um, and actually, they could make a portable version of this very easily, couldn't they? They could just flip it. I guess the old uh, Game Boy Advance was kind of like this. Um, but the, the best thing that I can say about this console is how immediate it is. You know, you turn it on and you're playing a game. The music, you know, boots up and, and you hear this this crazy 8-bit retro type music, the sort of menu music that Nintendo's put in here. Uh, and then you can just select through all of the different uh, screen caps for what cartridge you want to select. And there are 30 different games on here, as we all know. And then you just jump right in and you're playing right away. There's no day one patch. There's no downloading anything. There's no updating. There's no syncing of uh, trophies or anything like that. It is just simply turn it on and jump into a game. And there are some save states and stuff like that. They've done some modernizing to some of the way they're showing off the games here. Uh, but for the most part, they're pretty true ports and, and pretty true emulations 
of the classic NES cartridges. And they've picked 30 good games on here. Of course, you've got Super Mario Brothers and uh, 1, 2, and 3 on there as well. Uh, Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. Mega Man 2, you don't have a whole suite of Mega Man games. Star Tropics is on there. Excite Bike is on there. Zelda 1 and 2 is on there. You know, some, some classics that most of us are pretty familiar with. It, they're kind of safe classics. Uh, and 30 games, I think we can all agree, just isn't enough. But it's not so much that it's, you know, just the, the limit of 30 games. Because I think 30 games for 60 bucks in the U.S. And I think this is uh, about 80 bucks in Canada, if you can find one. That's not a bad price, considering most of these things have been sold. The individual games have been sold on eShops for around 5 bucks. And what's interesting is... You know, whether you jump into, you know, classic Contra or Mega Man or whatever you, you want to play in here, uh, you'll note that these games are not small. You know, they kept us engaged for hours and hours back in the day, and they still have the propensity to do that today unless you are an expert whiz-bang like uh, Jose Sanchez is who can just, you know, plow through every single one of these things super quickly. Um they actually hold hours and hours of entertainment. And what's also true about all of these classic games, and why I wanted to make this video today, is they hold their artistic merit over time. And it's, it's the pixel art that they use to make all of these games. It's just absolutely beautiful. It's incredible to see it on a crisp HDMI display, because that's the other thing that's, uh, that's cool with this, this console. Yes, the, this is all the, the pack-in ingredients that you get in the box. You get an HDMI cable. You get a, um, a classic NES controller with a ridiculous cord. That's how long the cord is, and that's just wrong. And I'll talk about that in a second. Um, and then you get a uh, sort of a modern style plug, which has the, um, the USB end, which is what's allowing people to um, hack this console like crazy out there. Uh, and as everybody that, that uh, know, everybody that follows video games knows, and everybody that likes retro games and classic games knows, you can, uh, I, I, I haven't done it, but you can uh, uh, plug this into a computer and find a way to install up to like 700 or 800 games on this sucker, which is incredible. You know, seeing this system on an HDMI kind of television and, and having all of this classic 80s art just pop off the screen like that is a revelation. It's almost like, you know, all, most of our sort of modern screens are super flat and super thin and they're widescreen and the colors are, are jacked and they... They didn't look like that when we played them on old CRT TVs. They, they looked great, but they didn't, they didn't look like hanging wall art. And that's exactly what these games are when you see them in 2017. And why I think this resurgence over the last few years of all of these 8-bit and 16-bit kind of throwback titles out there has been um, so well-received. There's been some super successful ones. I, I can't help but think of... Uh, you know, it would be amazing to see a game like Shovel Knight just casually slotted in the middle of all of these games on here. You know, or Axiom Verge or something like that. It'd be totally crazy. Um, and it, it, it certainly spurs the imagination for, you know, what else Nintendo could have done. Because obviously people want more games and this is a closed system. You can't get online with it. It's incredibly simple. You just plug it into the TV. You plug the uh, the plug into the thing. You you. You get an extension cable for your your uh, controller, and you plug that in, and um, you're playing. You know, and it's as simple as that. But 
because it's that simple, there is no online store, there is no functionality to add more. They didn't even include a, um, a wireless option with the controller, um, which is, you know, unfortunate because you can see that this first kick at this, um, uh, you know, hardware that's uh, legitimizes and really celebrates the, uh, you know, the classic era that Nintendo has been very good at. I mean, they have been incredibly shrewd at selling us and reselling us a lot of their favorite games over the years and a lot of their partners' favorite games over the years. And that's an important distinction, too, about this thing. It's not just Nintendo games on here. Obviously, you've got Capcom and Konami and, and, and uh, some other uh, publishers have participated in here. And that's no easy feat. That's Nintendo negotiating and making sure that uh, everybody is uh, treated equally on the on the console and everybody gets sort of uh, I, I guess royalties or something like that based off of all of the games that we've got on there I mean we've got Tecmo's uh, Ninja Gaiden on there and Castlevania classic stuff um, so it's it you know a lot of great steps have been taken to create this design I mean the industrial design of this mini NES you crave it you know that's incredible. This is uh, this is almost like an artistic celebration of that era unto itself. Not even plugged in, and then you plug it in, and you've got it all sort of hanging on your flat screen, and uh, it just pops off the screen. And I feel like the the classic sprite stuff uh, just it's it ages so much better than the polygon stuff that we've gotten from uh, you know the the PlayStation 1 era forward i feel like whenever i jump in and i play one of those classic ps1 games or even those early um, you know PlayStation 2 or uh, the original Xbox games yeah a lot of those games are kind of tried to you know, achieve photorealism and, and put all of these cut sequences and it's all sort of triangles and and uh, weird shapes kind of mashed together, polygon kind of faces and, and flat mapped kind of uh, textures and stuff. It, it just doesn't hold its own compared to what artists are still kind of working on this photorealism with you know unbelievable amounts of uh, texture data and and uh, uh, normal mapping and all of the other buzzwords that are out there right now what you know you play a game like horizon zero dawn and the faces are uh, you know uncanny valley kind of robotic kind of faces and it freaks you out and and uh, sort of the 3d developers have been pushing towards that ever since the original PlayStation came out. Uh, but you can see the progression. You can see the effort and the work to try to create that photorealism. There was none of that in the 8-bit era. There was none of that in the 16-bit era. And, you know, it, it, the celebration of that art in the context of seeing it on modern displays works on a couple of different levels, you know. Just to, to play the games and see the artistic sort of design uh, implementation that went into these classic titles where there was so much limitation on um, you, you know cartridge size and how big the games could be and and uh, how many colors could be in a game and how robust the imagery could be but it was unlimited in terms of imagination in terms of kind of breaking out uh, different types of genres and what if you went off of the screen and it just kept going and going what if there were surprise areas and and warp zones and things like that that we we kind of hid into our games there what if you could use the flicker of some of these games, uh, you know, when there's too many, there are too many assets on screen at the same time, to uh, you know, the player's advantage if they figure out some tricks and tips and tricks. You know, uh, a little shout out to the old Tips and Tricks magazine, and all of that stuff is kind of uh, presented in all of its glory with this little device. But you can't not think of 
what else, what else Nintendo could have done. Obviously, they, they should have made some kind of wireless functionality in here. My biggest beef, I think, with this console, because, you know, we're in the, the lazy days of not having to ever touch our televisions, everything. I mean, there's voice-operated stuff now, but uh, the fact that you actually have to physically reset this device, unless you get one of the... Uh, there are third-party controllers and stuff out there that, that allow you to reset the device and go back to the menu. But the way that it's built right now and, and the way that you plug everything in, you actually have to get up off your butt and walk over to the TV and reset the NES to get back to the uh, menu screen so that you can select a different game. That sucks. Um, you know, this this is ridiculous, having this short of a, a wire. That's crazy. That's got to be the shortest wire in existence. I mean, it's almost to scale, right? It's like they built this for mice or something. Um, but they should have had some kind of wireless functionality. Uh, I believe that they should have had some kind of simple variation of the eShop that would just allow you to play classic NES games. But I feel also that the, uh, you know, the hardware shortages uh, kind of suggest that Nintendo has more to do with this, you know? And I also think... Um, that because this has been so successful, not only will we see probably an NES Classic 2 or a, you know, an, a, a SNES Classic, which I know all of us want, uh, but I think other hardware manufacturers are probably looking at that and thinking, okay, there's a real market for this. And um, it, it comes down to the way that you package it. You know, there have been third-party um, uh, sort of licensors of classic Genesis and Atari and stuff like that. But most of that has been manufactured kind of for the CRT era. They haven't had real HDMI kind of operability, interoperability. Um, and they haven't really kind of thought of what, how modern gamers, you know, approach their gaming content. And uh, it, it's been cheap, you know, the controllers haven't been that great. There's quality here. There's quality in the hardware design. There's quality in the way that all of this stuff has been constructed. And I think it's really clearly, you know, easy to see that a, a really well-manufactured classic Genesis would be incredible. Um, it would be amazing to see, uh, you know, a, a, an old, I don't know, Atari 800 computer or something like that, um, stacked with some of the best games that were there, even a classic old ColecoVision. Um, I think you could go right up into the Dreamcast or you could do the PlayStation 1. You could do the original Xbox with a bunch of different games. And I think that there honestly is an audience out there and a market for this kind of stuff where it's, you know, and clearly these classic games and playing you know, stuff that's been on the market for a while is a huge business. It's made GameStop and EB Games billions of dollars over the years. And I think that this this drive for us as gamers and the industry in general to just kind of move quickly to the next thing and just get us playing whatever the next big release is going to be and forget about all that other stuff, you know, and, and the hype that we all get caught up in around that sort of... In, increased consumption is a little bit silly because we don't all move that quickly. We don't all have that much time to play every single one of these new releases. And that's why I think this retro market has been so incredibly successful. You know, A, it's art. And just like all art, like classic movies or classic television shows or classic comic books or whatever, classic records, people want to revisit that stuff and they want to re-experience it or they want to experience it for the first time and learn from it. And I think that uh, the, the game development community and game publishers and game hardware manufacturers out there have got to find some other cool ways to make it simple and, and uh, made with quality and love, you know, like this. Um, but, 
I, I think it's a big business for the retro gamer, uh, you know, YouTubers and Twitch streamers out there, obviously, that uh, focus all their attention on classic stuff. And, you know, I, I just think that there's a real sort of awareness and an appreciation that there's history in this industry. And sometimes that simple stuff and, and being able to just jump into a game is incredibly appreciated. So I love this and I think you should get it. Um, but I do feel like this is a dipping the toe in uh, from Nintendo to kind of test the waters on, uh, you know, new ways to generate revenue off of their archive, which um, is, you know, their prerogative. Uh, but I don't think that they came full bore with all of their best design on this and, and uh, um, their most consumer-friendly design that they possibly could have. But I think they've learned a tremendous amount from the release of this and the fervor and everybody's desire to get this. It's been selling out like crazy. It's still incredibly hard to get this. Um, so I expect that come this holiday, after the Switch is out, and you know that's another thing is they didn't want to really have two competing uh, machines, I think, in the marketplace um, cannibalizing each other. And, and uh, uh, you know, they want people to buy the Switch. And I wouldn't be surprised, and I think this would make good business sense, is to uh, create a cartridge version of this for the Switch. Uh, for a lot of people that couldn't find this thing, maybe they could just buy the cartridge with all of, with all of these games on it. I think that would sell like crazy. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised that we're going to see an update to this, maybe with 60 games on it, maybe with a wireless uh, controller. Um, I wouldn't be surprised for us to see a Super Nintendo, and I think that we're probably going to see some other retro gaming consoles uh, really fight for shelf space out there, but it's going to come down to the quality of the build and the quality of the emulation and the, uh, you know, the features out there. I want to know from you, though, a couple things. Um, I want to know if you have one of these, first of all, and, and what your thoughts are uh, on this and what Nintendo should have done differently. So, you know, write me a couple sentences on that. But I'm also curious, and I tweeted about this the other day, um, I suggested a Dreamcast with, uh, with 30 classic games on there. So I want to know if you think other consoles deserve this kind of um, uh, treatment. You know, and should we be able to buy these little micro ver versions of these classic uh, consoles out there? And which ones? And when you tell me which one, I want to know what, what games you think should be on those consoles. Um, but, I, you know, I love this thing. I'm glad I have it. It just warms my heart to see my daughter playing uh, Super Mario Brothers uh, or Super Mario World. You know, it's, it's, no, it's not Super Mario World. Super Mario Brothers... Brothers 2, Brothers 3. I love her just sitting there trying to figure it out and also like trying to get Kirby to fly. And I mean, this is this is great stuff. And the thing that I notice in her too, uh, this is this is proud parent time. But the thing that I notice in her too is that there's no none of this this critical sort of assessment on the visuals here. You know, she's not coming off of, uh, she's super excited to jump into Breath of the Wild, as am I. Um, and it's going to be interesting to contrast the classic Zelda to the new one. But uh, she's not looking at this thing with, with any kind of jaundice. She's not saying, okay, well, this doesn't look, at, these classic games don't look as good as uh, Skylanders or Lego Dimensions. She just sees it as trippy, cool art that that uh, is super colorful and clearly defined with sharp edges, blacked in lines, very cartoony, timeless wonderful this is a gift i wish it was better but it's a gift and uh more please nintendo and other hardware manufacturers out there 
All right, you guys, that's it for today. That's uh, that's all I'm going to chat about right now, but uh, I'll be back very soon. There are lots of big things. Just to let you know, I have been playing Yakuza 0, Neo. Uh, I've got Halo Wars 2, and I've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, I've got a big stack of titles that I have been playing, and it's been uh, a little bit insane to get all of these things all at once. Basically, I think uh, Resident Evil 7 opened up a floodgate of big releases, and the Switch is almost upon us. Um, I'm going to be back with a lot more videos on all of that content. Thank you so much for watching, and uh, we'll see you very soon in the basement. Hey, thanks for checking out that video on our EPN channel. It's just one small part of the things that we make around here. So if you liked it, don't forget to check out some of our other vids and hit that subscribe button.